At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 577th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who builds small homes using thrifty resources. We're talking with returning guest Quita Jackson about off-grid container homes. Nature lover, mom, and wife, producer, storyteller, and educator are just some of the words that describe Quita. She is the founder and host of GreenDesert.org, a site dedicated to leaving less of a carbon footprint by mimicking nature. From helping build school gardens to building off-grid shipping container homes to sharing backyard-to-kitchen recipes, she truly lives a sustainable lifestyle and strives for zero waste. Her Green Desert TV page has more than 100 videos sharing her lifestyle. Quita also produced and created shows for ABC News in Phoenix for the last 20 years. Hey, Quita, we got to meet you on podcast episode 181 all the way back in January of 2017 on Thrifty Self-Sufficiency. Welcome back to the show. Can you bring us up to speed on what's been happening with you since? Well, thank you for having me, Greg. And oh my God, it's been that long. It has. Wow, (laughs) time flies. Well, a lot has happened. And like you mentioned, the biggest thing is the shipping container homes. Um, We built two of them. And they're off-grid, and the whole goal of the container homes is zero waste. So this has been a very fun and challenging journey. We built two of them, and 50 grand is how much we spent. Wow. So that's huge. Yeah, yeah. And we're still playing with them, working with them, you know, upgrading. But this was huge. This was so, so, so very huge and exciting. So that's been the highlight of my life for the last year. (laughs) Well, you've, you know, you've created some magic around that haven't you (laughs) we have and I'll tell you that the best thing about these containers for me or I would say the most empowering thing about these containers for me is how much work how much we've learned and how much we've gotten through all of the challenges and I say that because I'm green and I'm all about the environment and I love doing crafty things and I garden and all of the above but it doesn't mean that I'm really really good with my hands (laughs) so we built these shipping container homes pretty much by ourselves. So for me, even learning to use a drill was huge. So to get to walk away and say, we have these gorgeous off grid homes and we're so close to zero waste with them. It's pretty awesome. It's like we took what we were doing already here in Phoenix, you know, and green desert with that lifestyle. And we just, we took it to a whole nother level and it's, it's been fun and awesome. It's been awesome. So before we actually get into the container homes themselves, because I have a bunch of questions for you. <laughs> Ask the way. How did you go from being a gardener in Phoenix to building container homes? That's a 
stretch. <laughs> it sounds like a big jump, right? Yeah. Well, Greg, you know, because we've been around each other for the longest and we, we both have the passion of it's all about the environment. It's all about being sustainable and, and zero waste. So we've been practicing that already here in Phoenix. And like I said, we wanted to take it to another level. I wanted to get to the point of retirement and reti- real retirement where I didn't have deals. I just didn't, you know, I could do what I wanted to do. Right. And so that's really what happened is, you know, I was at ABC for 20 years and I thought it's time. It is that time to really get to focus on what I really, really want to do in that passion. So I retired and I had the time. And so we had land in Texas, 25 acres of family land, which of course that's the way to go. And, you know, it it went from an idea to paper to reality. I mean, we finished pretty much within under a year. And like I said, we did most of the work on our own. We did get help with some contractors and friends with things like electricity. I I can't even pretend. I mean, like I said, I just learned to use a drill. So... But that's really all it was. It really just started with, let's just take things to another level. And, you know, Greg, you and I have talked about it before when it comes to gardening and self-sufficiency and zero waste. It just doesn't sound sexy. Right. And so, you know, although we preach it and live the lifestyle and tell it, you still have that frustration of, you know, we all have to live here. Why aren't we taking care of it? And people don't want to listen. So we said, you know what? We're done trying to convince people. We're just going to live the lifestyle. We're going to tell the story. And the people that pick it up, great. We're on the same page. And people will follow, you know, and it's one thing at a time. And so that really was the goal of it all. So in all of it, we have a place to stay with no bills, retired, off-grid, and it's in the middle of gorgeous country and animal wildlife. And it's just, it's what I wanted. It's really what I wanted. (laughs) Wow. So you still haven't quite answered the question I'm curious about. Uh oh. How did you discover building building <laughs> container homes? How did that happen? Well, it was really more so tiny homes, you know, that's been trending for a while. Yep. And what gave us really the idea with the shipping container homes, because like I said, the goal still was to how can we be off grid and get close to zero waste? And here in Phoenix and the house that we are in, it's not huge, but of course the bigger you live, the harder it is to live that lifestyle. So that really is what got that idea going. We wanted something where we were independent and didn't have to depend on other people. So it was just kind of like, what can we do so that when things around us are happening, we're not as much affected? And that's how it came about. We chose the shipping containers over tiny they're still, they're supposed to be more sturdy. You know, it, it just had a lot of benefits to it. The downside or the challenge to that is a lot of people know how to work with wood, but not with steel. All right. <laughs> so that was... That was the hard thing about it. Um, Greg, it was just the idea of getting off it. How can we make this a reality? And we watched a lot of, you know, shows. There's so many shows online with tiny homes and this and that. And it went from that. We have a great engineer who sat down and designed it. And he made it easy. <laughs> he just made it very easy because he was there the whole, you know, the whole step of the way. Mm-hmm. So once the design was there, it was really just following through and not letting things get in the way. Mm -hmm. You know, I retired, we saved up money, we knew what our budget was going to be. 
and we just had to we just had to do it. You know, nice. once you spend that money, you're going to make it happen. Oh yeah. So, and the timing was perfect with COVID and everything. It was almost like we planned it out because for a lot of the building, it was when you know COVID was really just starting out, and it was scary, and you really just didn't even want to go around people at all. So we didn't feel the effects as much because we were on this, you know, this rural land building, you know, eating from the land, doing everything from the land. So that was it. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know what else the answer is. It really just, it just started off as an idea and we just kept talking about it and it was just like, let's just do this. And it made it easier. Like I said, once I retired, I didn't have an excuse. Right. (laughs) Right. All right. So, I'm driving up to your house. Okay. I park out in front. What am I looking mm-hmm. at? What What am I going to see on the outside? So on the outside, you're going to see a shipping container with lots of windows. So it doesn't look like a shipping container. There's 11 windows on the container. And the goal was we want to still feel like we're outside and not be, you know, just feeling just cluttered, right? Right. So you're going to see the shipping container. You're going to see lots of green land. You're going to see our garden beds. You're going to see our solar panels. You're going to see our water system. You're going to just see our lifestyle. (laughs) Nice. And is it one container or two for your home? So there are two containers and we have them spaced about seven acres apart. Seven acres apart. Yeah. That is quite the living room in between. Right. (laughs) Well, because you still want that that peace. You want that privacy. And the nice thing about it is it's close enough to family where we can all get together and have a great time. But it's not close enough where you feel comfortable just walking over and knocking or walking in unannounced. At least I'll see you coming. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. Your shipping container home, how big is it inside? Uh, It is 360 square feet. And like I said, we have two, but one of them we have, and then the other one is my sister-in-law. So it's family. We did it all together. And in fact, if you watch, if you see some of the off-grid stories that we did, you'll meet some of the family, and you'll definitely meet my sister-in-law, Sophia, because it was really her and I just, we were just um, having fun. (laughs) And we fought a lot. And the nice thing about it, too, Greg, is you know me, I'm very transparent. Yep. So the, the stories are very transparent and our little disagreements and the good, the bad, the hard, the easy. And it was just really a fun experience. But like I said, it was just empowering. That was the huge thing about it because of so much I've learned and I'm still learning. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. greendesert.org that you can find those videos, right? Yes. Or our YouTube page is the easiest place to go. And that's Green Desert TV. Oh, perfect. And everything is there. Yes. Green Desert TV. Excellent. So Mm -hmm. this 300 square foot home, how many people live Mm -hmm. in it? So it's two, you know, my son, we let him come in and out. But, you know, when we first built it, the idea was, so it's a 45 foot container and it's a high cube. And the goal is, is we were going to have this for us. And then we were building a 20 footer for the kids because they don't need the kitchen and all of that good stuff. Right. Right. So right now, my youngest, he stays with us in the container when we're there. But for me, ideally, I want a little more space. Mm -hmm. Mom and daddy needs a little bit of their own time, right? Right. So, but (laughs) ideally two people and it feels spacious. It doesn't feel cluttered. I mean, if you took a walk through it and you see these, you'd be amazed. Like, really? This was a shipping container? And you have everything you need. You have everything you need. Nice. All right. A shipping container. It's a Mm -hmm. rectangular 
space. <laughs> what did you do inside? Because you said earlier that it didn't look like you wouldn't imagine that it's a shipping container. What did you do inside to abate that, to make it look like home? You know what? It was so easy because we didn't look at it as a shipping container. From the get-go, we looked at it as a home. So we did everything that you would do in a regular home starting from scratch. We took floors and scrubbed the floors to make sure they were clean. We put down, you know, new floors, the vinyl down. We put up tongue and groove. Can you believe this? I know that this, I know the wording. Like, I nice. did this. <laughs> But we put tongue and groove up on the walls. We painted them. The, the color that we painted the walls is called solemn silence. Like we did a lot of things by the meaning and things, you know, so that we could, you know, feel that. Yeah. So that we put a lot of color into them. My colors are orange and yellow, so it feels bright. We've got gorgeous white cabinets. I mean, it just feels like a regular homey home, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like I said, because you do it yourself, you can customize it with your own touch, you know what right. I mean? So we've got our compost toilet that still looks like the regular toilet. We built a lot of the furniture that's in there from land. I mean, I'm sorry, from a wood on the family land. We found wood a hundred years old that oh. our grandfather tore a barn down and we built with that. We built our garden beds. We built furniture inside. We built things for our gray water system. Everything we are trying to, like I said, zero waste. Yeah. So we got that homey feel. We got our green desert kind of sustainable lifestyle. And it just feels like home. It really feels like home. I got my kitchen. That's the main thing I need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as long as my kitchen is what I, I need, I'm good. Have a place to eat and sleep. And But like I said, it feels spacious. We even had gatherings where we had at least 10 people in the container at a time. Wow. And it doesn't, yeah, it does not feel cluttered. I can wait for you to see it, Greg. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. And so if somebody <laughs> wants to see the inside of it, I'm sure you have videos at Green Desert TV, right? On YouTube? Yep, we've got videos, yep, right, and cool. on YouTube, and then we've got pictures all over. So, you know, the base is greendesert.org, and that has all of our social media. It tells stories. It has pictures, videos, everything. <laughs> awesome. And mm -hmm. we live in a place where you have to get permits, you know, when you go to build uh, something like this. Tell me about that process. That was definitely a process. And I'm going to tell this story as positive as possible. <laughs> Honestly, though, not, not to, to, to bash cities and counties, but the problem is, is it's so new. They're not familiar with what to do with anything. So I will say it was definitely a bumpy start for us. And that was one of our biggest challenges. And it was permits. Uh, before we got started, we, we spoke to city, you know, people with the city to find out, okay, this is what we're doing. We're building it here in Phoenix. But it's temporary. It's actually going to live in Texas. It's off-grid. You know, so we told them all of that. And then it was, oh, no, you don't need a permit. And then we started building. And I guess maybe one of the neighbors or something complained. And then they came out and said, you have to stop working. And if anybody that's in construction, you know, that's like, death. no, I have to stop working. I'm losing money. I'm losing time. So when I went down to the city, the hard thing was we got sent around to so many different departments mm. because nobody really knew what to tell us. Right. So because our frustration was, I'm fine getting a permit. You just have to tell me what permit and I'm good. 
and everything led to something else from needing a site plan to we even got that if the containers stayed for a certain amount of time, they had to be anchored down because the wind could blow them over. So it was in Phoenix. I mean, there are homes in Phoenix that are going to blow over before. You got to think about how much these containers weigh. Plus, we had already added things to them. So it was frustrating because it was, look at what we're trying to do. Just tell us how to get there. So in the end, and talking with the city, everything they were requiring, they actually kind of pushed us out and not in a rude way, but bottom line, it was, they were like, it's going to be more expensive. You should just go. Mm. That was really what we got from the city of Phoenix. So then in getting to Texas with the county, you still have the problems of, you know, off grid is just not pushed right now by the city. So they were trying to force us to do sewer and they were forcing us to do the things that it was our whole goal in doing this is being off grid. So we did end up getting a permit with the county in Texas where we're building, which was I'm so grateful for because that was a big stress is they're telling you you can't build, but we're out of town only for a certain amount of time. What are we supposed to do? So that's really hard, but I would suggest anybody that's doing it, start early with your, your municipalities because you just don't know. And it can cost so much money and so much time fighting this system just to do something that actually is better for the environment. Right. So it's, it, it was definitely, you definitely got a lot of research to do there. And I know it's a lot of laws and regulations I'm learning that they're trying to do with tiny homes because that's one of the reasons they're not as affordable as they should be. It's all of these policies and fees and, and unknowns. So it's definitely something we have to push for as a society. You know, tiny living, you can't, what's bad about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why not? It may not be for everybody, but why not make it an option, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that was rough. That was, that was definitely, that was a hard thing. <laughs> but in the end, I have to tell you, I'm grateful to the city because it was so much more fun, so much more like invigorating building in Texas because We got to see our environment of where it was going to be. And versus building here on a little plot, we were able to build with the surroundings of cows always running around and deer and, you know, that that, that peace. Nature is really what drives me. And so I think us getting to be around nature while we had this journey, it just made it that much better. And being around family. Right. Well, and that's the one of the magical pieces of this is that this is a family land that has been in your family for over a hundred years. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, and let me tell you, so my mother-in-law, it, it, her, her father, some grandfather, she grew up in this house and so, and, and on this land. Uh-huh. And she was one of the elders who really, really, really wanted our generation to come back to the land and restore the land. And, you know, because as a society, it's always greener on the other side. So yep. when you grow up in the country, you're running to the city and vice versa. So the great thing about this project is it was not only good for our immediate family, but for the larger family, because it encouraged so many people to come back to the land. So since we started this project and dropped our containers on the land, we have two more homes that's been dropped, tiny homes, by other family members, and two more that are getting ready to drop there. Oh, nice. So that, right, that in itself made this, even through all the challenges and everything, it made it so worth it. I mean, to see my mother-in-law and this woman, I mean, she is amazing in the sense of she will outwork any of us. <laughs> right? So you look at like, right? She outworks any of us. She's out in that field pulling weeds. She's out in piles getting wood to build things. 
it is just inspiring and motivating, especially for the younger generation. So for our family, this has just been such a huge thing and it's so encouraging. And like I said, it's just motivating more and more family to come back to the land. And I just really believe that's the way it's supposed to be. We shouldn't keep starting over. You've got the land, use it. Yeah. I mean, a hundred years. So it's awesome. It's awesome. And I think you did mention in our pre-conversation that the land has actually been put into a trust so it won't ever be sold. It'll always be this. Right. So that's that's been always the goal is, is we just don't want this to be, hey, guys, you've got land, do what you want with it. The goal of this land is not let's go make money or sell it. or that, That's not the goal. The goal is really to live this peaceful, you know, zero waste lifestyle and be around family. Mm-hmm. And so that that that's the whole goal is no nobody gets to sell the land. You're here for good. It's going to be here another hundred years, another hundred years after that. Nice. So yes, that that is that's the whole intention. Wow. And like I said, for the elders that are already on the land, seeing I say kids. I mean, I'm in my forties, but I feel like a kid. So seeing us all come back to the land for them, it's it's rejuvenating them and it's giving them more purpose. And, and it's, I just, it's a win-win situation, Greg. Yeah. It really is. Wow. And I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. Your enthusiasm comes through and you're speaking about it. Thank you. And you know, you have to stop me because if you let me go, this, this interview will go for like two hours and I'll keep talking and I won't even give you a chance to interrupt me, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We've been friends, <laughs> you know, there you go. but that is my joy. I, I, it really is my joy. The containers that that's, what's got my, my heart right now. So. Yeah. Well, and this whole, you know, tiny home thing is huge. It is. And I'm telling you, Greg, oh, God, I can't wait for you to see. You've got to get online and look at them, and you're going to be like, whoa. See, I mean, we, when it was time to come back here for, because we were going to just quarantine there, but the kid was here, and it was just too much stuff I had to do, I was really depressed about coming back because of all the green that I was missing out on. Fortunately, when I got home, my garden was so crazy that I had the green and I was good. But uh-huh. it's, it's just a whole nother, I don't even know how to describe it. But even when I'm in a bad mood, I'm not in a bad mood because I just, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. But it's, it's amazing. So I think of Texas as this great big place that's mostly desert. And it doesn't sound to me like this property ah. that you're living on is that. Tell me about the property. Not at all. The property is gorgeous. It's green all around. And I will say, because everybody left, it's just been not taken care of. Some people will look at that as, oh my God, you got to cut these trees, you got to this, you got to that. But that to me is beauty. It is nature at its finest. So it's lots of trees, it's lots of green. There are cows. We don't have cows on our land, but we do have neighbors that do a lot of, you know, agriculture and things. So they're mm-hmm. gorgeous cows that won't talk to me. I walk by them every morning and I talk to them and they look at me and walk away. So my goal by the end of this next trip is those cows are going to be my friends. <laughs> but that's what it looks like. So you've got the cows, you've got deer that run through. It's, it's just like you're in the middle of just nature. It's, it's gorgeous. What is your pathway from living in Phoenix to not living in Phoenix? Well, I don't want to say I'm moving. I want to say I have another option of a place to be and I'll go back and forth because, you know, Phoenix still is my home. I love Phoenix. I've learned so much here. I've grown so much here and I have a lot of family here too. And one of the big things about Phoenix that you just can't get past is this sun. And people may complain about the heat, but you know, the sun is the whole basis of life. I don't want to leave that. There's so much we can do with it. So Phoenix is still home. Um, Texas, I would call just 
second home. Yeah. You know, it, I don't I don't want to say I have to be in one place or the other because again, my goal is to have the freedom to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I have a place to be. Do you see yourself ever moving there full time? I definitely can see that maybe a couple of decades down the line. Uh, I would like to retire in a place like that. Right now, I just feel like I have so much more that I want to give and I want to move around that I can't see myself just sitting, honestly, in one place, whether it be Phoenix or Texas. Right now, I really just want to continue with the passion of growing. Um, I want to build more containers. I want to build one here in Phoenix. I want to You know, I I just feel like I have so much to do before I can say this is it and Mm -hmm. where I'm going to end up, you know, but I want to make sure that we have a place to go that my kids have two boys um, who are going to be 18 soon. I can't believe it. So 18 and 14 years old. I want them to have a place to go and to know it's home and not to feel the stress of everyday society, you know, and I don't want them to feel like they have to start over in this game of life of buying land buying houses, having mortgage. I don't want that for them. I want them to live a free life that, you know, mimics mother nature. I think if we mimic mother nature, we wouldn't be in so many of these negative situations that we're in, you know, mother nature got it right. So why recreate the wheel, you know, just do what she does. And and so that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to teach people. And that's what I want my kids to teach their kids, you know? Yeah. I am so incredibly proud of you for doing this. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, Greg. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I learned so much from you, so you keep doing what you're doing. Oh, I will. I've learned so much from you. You're talking a sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. You are amazing. You're yeah. one of my heroes, but I think you know that. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I'm going to shift on you, and as a returning guest, I'd like for you to share a vivid childhood memory around food. <laughs> a childhood memory around food. Okay. Well, the funny thing with me and food and my family will all vouch for me is growing up, I loved food. They always said I was the greedy one. They they say, Queen will eat it. You know, like the Mikey will eat it commercial. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's me growing up. And they always could tell if I really liked something. And I still do it today. And I try to stop because now that I know it, I dance when I really enjoy my food. <laughs> Oh, nice. Of course. Yes. So as a child, I'm always dancing around with food. And so now I try to catch myself. Why are you dancing? Why are you dancing? Why are you dancing? I'm walking around with my kale chips dancing. So um, I would say that's the childhood memory of the dancing that has continued throughout my life. (laughs) Nice. And a new piece of advice for our listeners. A new piece of advice. Okay, and don't go on and on and on forever. No, um, we got time. I, <laughs> I would say advice. I would say the biggest thing that was good advice for me that I would like for people to understand is is not to let society dictate your passion. I think society can be the biggest sabotager other than yourself. So don't let society dictate your passions and don't self-sabotage opportunities because of your fears. I find myself doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll make excuses. And the excuses always really, really, really good excuses. They're valid. They make sense. But we get in our own way. So I think in the end, if you just remember what your goal is, every decision that you make, you run that through your head. Is this getting me closer to my goal or further away? And I, I swear by this. And 
I think that that helps us with making better decisions and that helps keep us from sabotaging ourselves. And it's easier said than done. So this isn't me saying I'm an expert at this. Mm -hmm. This is, I've been working on this for decades. So don't self-sabotage and don't let society dictate or you're going to go with your passion. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, thank you (laughs) so much for joining us on the show today again, Quita. Thank you so, so much for having me, Greg. Oh my gosh. It's always a delight. (laughs) So tell us how our listeners can find you. Uh, the best way to find us is just go to our website. It's greendesert.org. Perfect. And your YouTube channel is? Green Desert TV. Perfect. And if you'd like mm-hmm. to hear more from Quida, you can find our episode 181 at urbanfarm.org forward slash green deserts. Plus, you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash green desert two. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.